Lord has spoken. Understand Asa Shaman. I am celebrating because the fast is coming to an end. All right, so I hope you are. Is that a good thing to do? You bet it is. Grab your Bibles and turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 58. But while you're turning there, let me tell you what it says in Nehemiah 8. The people in that day had had a period of time where they were mourning and just crying out to God. And then in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, it says this. It goes, then Nehemiah said to them, go. Eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now grab what they're saying here. He said, I want you to go out and celebrate. I want you to celebrate. I want you to feast. I want you to rejoice. I want you to give to others. I want this to be a time like no other. Go out and celebrate. And so you know what I'm ready to do? I've been giving up. I've been giving up all bread products, but I've included chips and things like that in it, and all sweets. And so today, after this service, we began the fast with worship. We're ending the fast with worship. I have my Lent Excellence chocolate bar I'm going to eat, and I'm going to celebrate. Man, I can't wait to dig into this, baby. And, and we should do that. We should celebrate. Then the other thing is, um, I know this might not hit you, but see, my, my granddaughter has been struggling with my fast because she likes to share her food with me. So I would make her a peanut butter sandwich and she would hold it up to me and go, Papa, bite, bite. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fasting. Well, she doesn't know what that means. And she's like, oh, why aren't you taking a bite of my sandwich? And so this has been like tempting me. I mean, she holds it up before me. So I thought, I can't wait. But I thought if I'm going to celebrate, I can't have a sandwich like this. Here's my peanut butter sandwich. This really is a peanut butter sandwich. Thank you. This is a Hawaiian bread peanut butter sandwich. There is, there is a jar and a half of peanut butter in here. And, and I, after the service today, we're going to worship. I'm going to go bite this baby. And, uh, and, and this is like how you sell it. No little, no, we're going this and, and having it. And so you know what? It's really about that. And you might be sitting out there going, wait, I'm new here and what are you talking about celebrating? I thought Christians were into, you can't do this, you can't do that. I didn't know you guys went out and like celebrated and rejoiced and feasted. Well, I want to tell you if you're brand new, we do. Now there are some can'ts. Like you can't have a, you know, a lousy life. You can't have depression. You can't have bondage. You can't have brokenness. When you come to Christ, he gets rid of all those things. And though, I guess you can't have it. I'm sorry. But you can celebrate. You can rejoice. You can experience love. You can experience deep relation. That's what God calls us to. And so we do fast for certain periods of time. But then we always fast in the fast by celebrating. We, there are points we mourn and cry out to God, but then we always grab hold of the joy afterwards. That's what it means to follow him. And so we're going to talk about results of the fast today, and I want us to pray about that and ask God to move. Let's go to God right now. Father, I pray and ask that you would just stir in our hearts and draw us to you.
and cause us to understand, oh God, the great, great joy that we're supposed to experience that never is taken away. God, if there's some people here today who are still hurting, I, I pray today's a day where victory begins to take over and, and, and the gloom begins to be erased by the sunshine of your love and just pouring out upon them like a dawn rising. And so God, I, I just pray that we're going to walk out of here ready to feast ready to rejoice, ready to live. And I pray you're going to use us, God, to to have such joy in you. We draw other people to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Isaiah chapter 58. Here's where I'm going. Six results, six results or six effects that the fast is to have on us. Now, even beyond this, these are six things that we should always experience in our Christian life. But what does fasting do? Fasting focuses us on God. It tunes us into God so we experience these things even better. Now, we should always experience them, but, but I want to have you grab it. Like, number one, what are you and I supposed to experience? According to Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. Now, we began the fast looking at the first few verses of Isaiah, how we fast. How, what is the experience of it? What are we to enact? Well, number one, you should find discipline that becomes infectious to every area of your life. Let me say that again. When you and I fast correctly, we find discipline that becomes infectious and infects every area of our life with discipline in a good way. Look what it says in verse six. God says, is this not the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Now, a yoke in this case is something you're in bondage to, something keeping you from being free, not allowing you to experience life to the fullest. And God said, when I called for you to fast, it should result in you being set free. In other words, as I began to say no to bread, and I actually for 40 days lived that out. And by the way, I don't know what you're experiencing, but I got to tell you, anybody, I want to ask this. Anybody else choose to give something up and then all of a sudden people started offering it to you? Did you ever have that? Like, you know what? I, gotta, I know, I know prior to the fast, people, what, they weren't holding bread in front of me. And then we're at the, I'll get into this more a little bit later. We're at a restaurant and I actually say to the waitress, could you not bring any bread? 10 minutes later, she walks out. They just made this fresh and sets a loaf of bread. I knew she was from the devil. I just knew it. And I'm looking at her going, oh, uh, you know, behind me, Satan. You know, get that, you know. That, but, but see, here's the thing. If the more we say no to this, this, the more I find an ability to say no to things that I should say no to. Now, I'm allowed this, but as I discipline myself, I find a victory in my life that gives me the ability to say no to other things. Now, it gets bigger. Some of you might go, well, that just makes sense. That's just kind of behavior modification. No, no, no. It's different because I'm doing it with God. It's different because I'm doing it empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's different because I'm training myself as I say no to this to seek God. Uh, You know, as I had to say no to sweets and desserts. Last night I was at the Meet the Artist and they had the most amazing desserts out there. And I'm looking at them. And immediately what I do, I start praying. I'm praying over the three things I'm fasting for. And, and, And so I'm training myself to do this with God, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and it affects every area of my life. I was talking to a man two weeks ago, and he shared with me, he goes, man, I got to tell you, this fast is hard. Now, he was giving up a lot. I mean, I was like listening, going, man, this is a brutal fast for you. But he said to me, Pastor Chuck, you know what? Now that I'm just a few weeks into this, I'm realizing if I can say no to this for this long, I can do anything. 
I can give up anything. Now, see, that's important because, you know, some of us, we need help with our temper. Some of us need help not going into things we shouldn't do. Some of you today might find addictive behavior in your life and you're like, I just got to get rid of that in my life. I need to be free of it. Summer is a, a woman who attends our church here. And what happened is she was praying about what she would fast for and from. And right away, the four came. She knew what she wanted to fast for. But she was having a struggle. What should she fast from? And so she was talking with her husband and sharing with him, I ought to fast from Facebook. I think that's what it's going to be. But it just didn't seem right. And on the Saturday night before she would come here 40 days ago to, you know, more than 40 days to write down what she'd fast for and from, her 10-year-old son said, Mom, I want you to fast from smoking. Now she goes, I smoked at least six or seven cigarettes a day to deal with stress. And uh, she said, he looked at me and said, that's what I want you to fast from. Well, he didn't know it. What she was fasting for was him. She, wanted, she loved him. She wanted him to fall more in love with the Lord than ever. And so when he said that, it's like, okay, I, I, this is what I should do. And she shared with me, that was the first two weeks were a struggle. Why? Because she was addicted to the nicotine. And she goes, I was struggling and I was fighting. And what would happen is normally in the car, I'd have a cigarette. So now I'm turning on praise music and singing that. But she said, the most incredible thing was she found herself getting victory. And she goes, by the way, it wasn't just going to be a 40 day fast right now. She said, I'm free. I'm never going to smoke cigarettes again. I am freed from that. And so she's praising God for it. She goes, but even better, my son, who, you know, at times would make a fuss about going to church. Since we began the fast, he's not one time giving me a problem about going to church. He can't wait to go. He's excited to be here. And then she said, and Pastor Chuck, he even is laughing at your jokes. <laughs> I knew there was one. And, uh, you know, and, and she said, it's just, she's watching it. And then the moment came. He walked in and said, Mom, I just want you to know I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Well, you know what? God does that. As you and I begin to say no to this, it, it infects the other areas of our life. So maybe if overeating is a problem, now I'm finding an ability to say no to overeating. Or maybe if it's, you know, I, I, I find myself being lazy and, and I need to have more diligence in my life, I can do that now. Or maybe it's depression and I'm being able to ward that off. But I'm being set free. Set free from those things. And you know what? If, if today you're still saying, man, it's hanging on to me, then maybe you choose to do that a little more. But let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus came. Christ came for liberty. Christ came for freedom. He came so that it would infect every single area of your life. That's what he wants for you. So that's number one. Uh, number two, generosity. Generosity becomes effective to bless others. When I fast... I find discipline infecting every area of my life. And when I fast correctly, I find generosity going out for me to bless other people and be effective in that. That's a big part of what God wants. Look at verse 7. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house and when you see the naked to cover him and to hide yourself from your own and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? In other words, you know what God as I'm fasting, what am I going to do? I'm going to make sure other people get blessed. Now, my wife Pam decided she was going to fast from eating out unless it was a prearranged meal or we were traveling on a trip. And when she told me that, I'm like, wait, if you fast from that, I have to too. I don't think that's a good idea. She said, no, I really prayed about it. God wants me to. Well, I th great. You know, like I'm not going to go to a restaurant alone and so now we're fasting from eating out. Do you know how much money we saved? 
No, we saved a lot of money. I actually, more than I thought. You know, you might, I actually had told her before, no, like if we go to Taco Bell, it's cheaper. No, it's not. We saved a lot of money. What should we do with it? What, what do you think God said? Bless others. By the way, no, we don't save that money for us. That, that would ruin the fast. When we save that money, why? It was so we could bless other people, so we could be more effective in making their lives better and them know more and them rejoice more. And by the way, as we did that, God started guiding us to people who needed the exact amount of money that we were gonna give to them. And so all of a sudden, it was like, okay, here's what we get to do. And, and by the way, the more generous you are, the more blessed by God you are. Now, now I wanna say this. Please, please don't miss it. God does not like stingy, selfish people. You might say, is that true? Oh, it's true. Does he love you anyway? Yes. Does he like it when you're like that? No. By the way, neither do you. There's not anybody in this room who goes, I just want to be around stingy people. That would bless my life. Stingy selfishness. And it ruins your life. But as you become generous, it blesses your life. And that's why part of the fast is that we look for a way to bless others. And it trains us not only to have discipline that infects our life, it trains us to have generosity so we can be effective in blessing other people. So what happens is I'm more in tune, I'm more in tune to God showing me people I can care for. Uh, one of the men in our church, and he's asked me not to share his name, but I'm allowed to share his story, um, was, was getting ready to do the fast and he got the card and he knew what he was fasting for. He knew what he was fasting from, by the way, ice cream. Yeah, in his case, he, his, his way of relaxing every night was ice cream. And he said, I, I even bought my favorite ice cream and put it in the freezer and knew I couldn't have it for 40 days. He said, but, but what should I write on that offering line? And he thought, Lord, I, I don't know. And, and he began to pray about it and God began to give him a higher number than he thought and it got a little higher and and then there was one number, and he just thought, okay, I'm going to write it down, $1,000. And he's like, that's a lot. In the next 40 days, somehow I'm beyond my, my tithing, I'm to do something with $1,000 for God. Well, it was about two weeks into the fast that, that a young couple who in our church had a car accident. They, praise God, were physically okay, everybody was okay, but the car they hit was incredibly expensive. So much so that it was a higher value than their insurance covered. So the insurance company wanted the difference. Now, this young couple's barely making it, and, and they tried to live within their means, but they don't have that kind of money. And so the insurance company is on their case. We have to have this. We, ha we could garnish your wages. We, and and the, the, the husband's like, if you do that, I don't know how we're going to make it. And so then what happened is the insurance company finally said this. If you give us $1,000 in one week, we'll write off the rest. But to them, that $1,000 was like 100000 there was no possible way. Well, then God, in, in his divine wisdom, put the two together. And, and the young husband is sharing with this man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have $1,000. And the other man is, oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. God told me already ahead of time. And he gave him the 1000 Isn't that cool? Now... Some of you might go, man, I, I, I don't know about a thousand. Well, here's the point. It's not the number. Do you know what it is? It's the God. It's God as your father telling you. Some of you, God might say $5 and you bless someone with $5. Some of you, God might say, you know, 25. It, please really realize this. It really isn't about the amount. It's about the heart. And it's about God directing you in that moment. And, and you're realizing, wow, and, and just God wants you to do that. I mean, just God wants you to. 
uh, uh, I know a, a particular guy, by the way, and what happened is he wanted to marry this girl, and so what ha- he, he went out and picked out the ring, and he put down a, 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 a layaway, this thing called layaway, so you're not on credit, and he put it down, and he just thought, I want to pay for it, I want to pay for it, and he was $1,200 short. And uh, he was working in a restaurant, um, and he was just praying, God, you know what? I, I want to ask her. I wanted to ask her on this date. I don't know how I'm going to get the final 1200 And what happened is a, a couple who were not even in his section called him over and said, hey, um, we don't know each other, but we just felt led by God to do something here. And, and he took it, and they said, we don't know your name, so just write your name on it. And he opened up the check for $1,200. And he said, Yeah. He looked at him and he said, how, how, how did you know? They said, we didn't. We were just praying, getting ready for dinner. And the Lord said, give somebody 1200 tonight. And we just knew it was you. And, and this couple, they, they, by the way, he hasn't seen them since. And I know you're thinking, I want to see him. And again, by the way, real quick, it's not the amount, is it? It's God guiding you. It's God guiding you. It could be $20. It could be buying someone's meal. But when God makes you generous, you effectively bless other people. And as you and I live our life to do that, we become other-centered, not self-centered, and we become effective in the eyes of God. And God says right here, verse 7, is it that you do this? Is it not what I want you to do to live this way? And God wants that for you. Uh, The third thing is this. God wants you to have a you-get-it lifestyle. Now, I know right now, if you're writing notes, and I hope you're writing this down, number one, he wants discipline that's infectious to the rest of your life. Number two, generosity that's effective in blessing others. Number three, write it down. You get it. Some of you are hopefully right now going, I don't get it. But you'll get it. You'll get it. Now, what do we mean by this? By the way, this is big. Maybe bigger than the other two. Look what it says in verse eight. Then, because you fasted correctly, because you've been generous, because you have discipline... Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You get it. If you're brand new, you're going to hear us talking about the Asa Shema. That comes out of Exodus 24-7 where it says all that the Lord says to do, we will do or Asa, the Hebrew word Asa, do with all our might then we will shema or understand. Now here's the point. When we begin to obey God and live our life for God, understanding comes, you get it. And by the way, he said it comes speedily. It breaks forth like the light. How fast does light travel? 186,000 miles a second. God says all of a sudden in that moment, you have light come into your life at 186,000 miles per second. And you understand You understand. And you know what? He doesn't want you stumbling around. He doesn't want you murking your way through. And the Bible's big on this fact. Those who love God are in light. Those who do not love God. The key isn't are you believing God. It's love God. You're in darkness. So are we in light or darkness? When we fast, when we seek God, we move into the light. And and I want you to think about how incredible that is. Uh, John uh, 1, 3 to 5 says, In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The other day I was talking to a particular person who doesn't know God. I was amazed how they just don't get it. We are talking on some really important issues. And they were going the wrong direction with them. By the way, that's not judgmental. I'm using the Bible as my source of authority. And they had all the wrong thoughts. And by the way, they're in enough influence that they can create 
and are creating heartache in other people by what they do. And they just don't get it. And it's hurting people. And they don't get it. They don't, they don't get it. They're in darkness. And I thought, it's not that they're bad. It's not that they're horrible. They just don't get it. Uh, and God says, when we're in his light, we get it. We comprehend it. Uh, in John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, now the other night, we're in Dallas, and uh, it's the middle of the night, and I need to get up, and, and I need to head to the bathroom, and, and, and Pam's asleep, so I'm not going to turn on the light, and pow, I trip over a suitcase. I do not have any idea who put it there. I just assume it had to be her. I'm not going to take the blame on that one. I think she even thought I'm getting them tonight. But you know what? Why did I stumble? Well, because I was in darkness. When you're in darkness, when you're in darkness, you stumble. Uh, uh, the other day I was in a particular place and they wanted me to see it. And so I walked in and, and, and they were trying to show me a need. And, and I look in it, the lights were kind of dim. And I thought, oh, this place isn't that bad. They flipped on the light. And I'm like, oh, man, you didn't want to sit down anywhere. When the light was off, I might have sat there. I, I mean, it, when the lights were on, you wouldn't want to eat in this place. Not even bread or chocolate. No temptation there. And, uh, and I'm looking at the need, and I went, oh. When the light comes on, you see the need. When the light comes on, you see the, 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 the area you can make a difference in. When the light comes on, you see the joy of God. When the light comes on, you see the ways of God. You get it. You get it. It's like as you fast, the light comes on and you begin to understand and God wants that for you. Look what it says, or if you have your Bibles, Proverbs 4, 18 and 19. But the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is in like darkness. They do not know over which they stumble. See, God says, I want you to get it. Uh, uh, Malachi 4, 2, I love. But for you, for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with a healing in its wings. And you will go forth and skip like calves from the stall. Now, now, the, I just was studying this. And Pam and I, again, we were in Texas. And we happened to be alone. And we're driving. And I see all these cattle out there. And, and you know what? There were baby cows. And what were the baby cows doing? They're skipping and jumping around. They're all happy. What are the big cows doing? I mean, they're barely making it and having it. Be all careful. Not the babies. They're jumping around and going crazy. Do you know what this verse says? When you and I are in the light of God, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. God invigorates you. And, and you want to skip, which really looks funny. But, you know, I mean, some of you today just try skipping out of here. We'll go, what's going on? I just love the Lord. You know, and, and, but you know what? That's just, just joy in your heart. And God says, I'll do that for you. You get it. You get the joy of God. You get the understanding of God. It, it makes you lighter. It makes you free. So God wants you and I to experience that. So number one, the infectious discipline that infects every area of your life. Number two, generosity that becomes effective in blessing others. And number three, you get it. Number four is huge. You start finding your prayers being answered. You start finding your prayers being answered. Verse nine, then, then you will call and the Lord will answer you. You will cry and he will say, here I am. The presence of God will be so upon you. You're like, God, you're here, you're here. If you remove the yoke from your midst and the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. 
Now, we can't be holding on to sin and get the blessing of God. We have to be willing to let go of that from our life. But as discipline is infectious, as generosity is, is effective, as you and I get the understanding of God, then our prayers start being answered because we don't want to be involved in those things anymore. And God starts answering. And during this fast, during this fast, God has answered prayers in ways that have blown my mind. And I'm not over-exaggerating. Let me tell you just a few real quickly. I could go on and on. Uh, Victoria, who attends our church, was diagnosed with a, a very aggressive, extreme form of breast cancer. And the doctor said, we're just going to have to do a, a major surgical procedure on you and hope that helps. And we're not even guaranteeing that. So she came and started fasting. But her fast, uh, I just got to tell you, it was kind of interesting. She said, I'm, I'm afraid of the surgery I'm about to have Friday. So I want, I want to have God give me courage and take away the fear. And I want to have God give me peace as I go through it and peace on the other side as I have a new life and have to deal with the effects of it. And Mike and Diane Underwood, uh, Mike's an elder here and Diane, his wife, they prayed and anointed her and prayed over her. And on Friday, she went in and she had no fear. She said, God did it. She's laying on the operating table and they, they make the marks about where they're going to do the surgery. And and as she's still laying there getting ready to be put under, and the doctor says, well, you know, before we put you under, let's make sure we locate the mass, and he can't find it. Then he gets the machine, the sonogram machine, he can't find it. They call another doctor in. It was extreme. It's not there. She's laying there, go, what's going on? And the doctor said, yeah. The doctor said, you, we can't find any cancer. Something happened. I mean, it's all in the records, all the tests. You're healed. You're just healed. Uh, God has been answering prayer after prayer after prayer like that. And, and people are coming up going, man, I just can't believe what God is doing. And, and so we're seeing it happen. Uh, my son, Tim, started fasting uh, over, uh, he said, actually started, he goes, God, what should I fast for? And, and the Lord put on his heart, I want you to fast for some of your old friends. Friends he hadn't seen in years. But he just started fasting and praying that somehow they could reunite and he could touch them. And so uh, about two weeks into the fast, uh, on my Twitter, uh, a guy tweets me and it says, I was at Crossroads. I had no idea you were the pastor. I'm really excited about that. And I tweeted back, who are you? And he tweeted back, Kevin. And I looked and went, Kevin, oh my, it's one of Tim's friends back in his juvenile delinquent days. (laughs) And um, I think Kevin might be in the service and... Yeah, all right, man, yeah, <laughs> praise God, yeah, so, so Tim is fasting and praying about you and others he hasn't even seen, and you tweet me, dude, and so I, I tweet Tim, and, and he goes, Kevin's in church, and he goes, yeah, and I said, with his wife, and then he tweeted me, hey, next week you'll see me, because we're going to be coming forward, and, and you did, and I was just, man, that was so exciting, so, yeah, that's so awesome. And praise God, you're saved and you're not going to prison. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, uh, and then your other friend, Kevin, I guess now is in on us too. And, and it's just so, God had a plan for you, man. And I just think that's, you, both of you, your wife too. And that's so awesome. But you know, and God did that. How, how about this? Uh, Katie Joyner, let me know her story. Katie said, God has been moving in their life and way after way after way. She wrote me a beautiful testimony. I want to hear the rest later of it, but not now. But then they got ready to fast. And, uh, her and her husband, James, they said, what should we fast for? And James, before Katie, had fathered a child, and then um, the, the mother of the child left the area, and they weren't in contact, and had made it clear, I want nothing to do with you. And 
So he said, I want to start praying for my, my boy Jacob. I, let's just fast that somehow he'd be happy. And so they're praying and fasting for that. Three days into the fast, out of nowhere, Lisa contacts him and says, um, I just wanted to let you know, I'm going through a divorce and uh, I'm going to have full custody of Jacob and I wanted to know if it's okay with you if I tell him that he has you and you're his dad. Now, Jacob didn't know it. She goes, is that okay? And out of nowhere. And so what happens is he's like, oh, yes, 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 I want to be in his life. Well, as the fast has been progressing, at least once a week, he's getting to Skype with Jacob. He's getting to share. So then they decided to take kind of a risk and they said, hey, could, could I actually see Jacob? And she said, yeah, come up to Seattle and you can see him. And, and they looked at their finances and said, I can't afford that. And, and then she said, well, you know what? I'll send him down to you. If you can pay for his airplane ticket, I'll send him down here. And so they thought, well, we'll find a way to do that. And they prayed and said, thank you, God. Well, in the midst of getting all excited and sharing the praise of it, a, a particular person goes, I have a free airline ticket. It's yours. So now he gets to come down and, and, she, and here's what they wrote me, Pastor Chuck. When the fast ends, we're getting ready on April the 15th to have Jacob in our lives and in our home. And man, I just got to tell you, wow. So, and I could go on and on and on. And it's so incredible how God has been moving. And, and I got to tell you, I'm going to share in a minute about an answer prayer I had. But I had three things on my list. And only one got answered so far. Some of you too. Some of you here right now, let's talk together. All of you who got your prayers answered, I want to tell you, I celebrate with you. I do not covet. I, I'm wanting that to happen for you. I think we all are. But there's, there's some of us in this room right now that God didn't say yes to us yet. Yet. And, and what do you do with that? Because two of mine, I don't have an answer for yet. Um, and, and I want to just talk with you because let me tell you where I'm at. And maybe this won't be you, but look, this is where I am. Number one, the fact that God did not answer those two particular prayers does not mean that my faith in him is going to be shaken. I trust him anyway. It doesn't shake my faith that he didn't say yes to me. I rejoice with the ones of you he said yes to, but there's, there's one, I, you know, we all know it. I'll just say it. My oldest son hasn't come back to the Lord yet. And, but God, I, I think it was from the Lord. I had a dream about a week ago, and it was so real that Rich was crying. And to, I looked at him, and I said, what's wrong? And he said, I'm back, Dad. And it was so real, I woke up and for an hour I thought it had happened. Um, but it hasn't yet. And I don't, that doesn't shake my faith in God. You know why? Because I know, I know that God does not violate free will. I know he doesn't do that. He, he's given us a gift of free will. It's our choice. It's Rich's choice. It's some of your friend's choice. And so, okay, I'm going to trust him no matter what. Let me go to the second one. God saying no to me does not change my love for him. I hope it doesn't you either. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this. I'll bet it doesn't. There's a lot of you here today that you didn't get a yes to your prayer, and you go, but I love God anyway. Right? Is that right? Are there a lot of you like that? And when, when God loves me with unconditional love, I want to love him back with unconditional love. Now, what does that mean? That means he doesn't have to do anything for me to have me love him. And by the way, that also means that there are going to be disappointments in my life, and I'm going to love him anyway. I'm just going to love God unconditionally. Praise God, he loves me unconditionally, and he wants me to love others unconditionally. But guess, we need to love God unconditionally. 
That needs to be who we are. That needs to be how we think. There was a guy named Habakkuk that had an unconditional love for God. And what happened is God told Habakkuk, I'm going to have to judge the nation and you're going to get caught up in it. You and your friends and your family, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be devastating. And Habakkuk said to God, God, please don't do it. If you read Habakkuk, you'll see that. He says, God, no, you, no, there's no way. No way you're going to do this. And God said, I am. Then later he said, God, you can't. And he begged him, please, please, please don't let this devastation come. And God said, Habakkuk, it's going to be worse than you think. And he begged again. And then he said, but I'm going to sit and stand, watch, and wait for God to see what he tells me. And God told him again, it's going to happen. It's going to be bad. And so what does Habakkuk do? Listen to what it does. Habakkuk 3.16. I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay entered my bones and in my place I trembled because I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to rise who will invade us. And then here's what he says. Though the fig tree should not blossom, And there be no fruit on the vine, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I, I will exalt in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet, and he makes me to walk on the high places. Did you hear what he said? He goes, God, even if there's nothing to eat, I love you. Even if everything's cut off, I love you. And I'll rejoice in you and praise you and never let go of you. By the way, in this church family, Crossroads, I love this church family. I'm going to tell you one one of many reasons why. Get ready. Because in this family, there are some of you that we have talked with and shared with and cried with and prayed with and prayed for who some of you life's been hard. There are people here, some of you have lost your job, yet you still love God. Some of you have lost your homes, yet you still love God. Some of you have had sickness hit you, and you still love God. And I want to tell you, people like you, you're my heroes. You're the people I love. I, I love you. And there's so many around this room. You've gone through that. But let me tell you, too, that what you're going through now is not the end of the story. There's a story coming, a day coming, a moment coming, a joy coming, and you know it. But here's the cool thing. You love God anyway. And this church is filled with people like that. And you love God anyway. And and that's what makes life so incredible to be around you. We want to rejoice with the rose who rejoice. And we're going to cry with those who cry. And and then in the end, we're all going to come together. And God wants us to know that. And by the way, I just want to love God no matter whether my prayers are answered or not. But here's the good news. He does answer. I know he'll answer. And by the way, just because I didn't get a yes yet, I believe I'm going to get a yes one day. I believe I'll get a yes one day. And... And I'm believing it and praying for it. And I know this, God's timing's better than mine. You know that? Isn't that true? So later on when the yes comes, I'll go, that's why you waited. Yeah, yeah, that's why you waited. And, and God does that. So for those of us who are in that state. By the way, it's interesting. The next verse talks about how the effect number two, generosity, and the effect number three, getting it, come together. And notice verse 10. And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will arise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. He says, as you just keep being faithful, you're going to find your light rising and all the gloom dissipating. And then number five, number one is that he'll get in give you discipline that's infectious. Number two, generosity that's effective. Number three, you'll get it. Number four, answered prayer. You ready? Love number five. God will guide you. 
God will guide you. Verse 11, and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in the scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. God promises to guide you. And when you and I fast and when you and I pray and you and I seek him, here's the thing, God has a plan for your life. God looks at you and cares about you. God has dreams and hopes for you. And God says, you matter, you matter. Um, as, as we started the fast a few weeks ago, I hope many of you remember or were part of this, we talked about that Crossroads has a here and a there. We're in our here and we have a there and we don't know what there is yet. By the way, I said you have a here and there's a there and I don't know what your there is, but God has one for you. And I have a here and, a, and, and I've got a there I'm going to, but I don't know my there. And so I'm praying, part of my fast was this, God, show me my there. Show me the direction, show me what you want. Well, what happened is it just started taking over. And I started sensing some things and seeing some things happening about me. And, and so I, I, I asked advice and counsel, which I should do, and kept praying about it. Well, then I couldn't wait. I had an, a meeting not very long ago with our elders. And we got together, and I said, guys, I'm going to talk for a long time. And then when I'm done, I, I, I just want to get your feedback. And so I started telling them that I feel like I have a there. But if I'm going to get there... I've got to stop doing some things that I'm being caught up in. I have to not have things drag me back. I can't have every little detail hit me. And, and so that means I need to make changes in how I lead and how I live my life. And, and I need to have your advice on that. And so I start sharing it with them. And, and so I'm talking about, you know, all the changes I need to make that I know about and, and where I thought God was taking me. And I get to the end of it. And I said, so what I need to know is I need to know how you feel. I need to know, guys, do you have my back? And, and I felt like there was almost a cheer went up. Well, well, then they start talking. And, and here's the thing. I think my here is here because I know where my here is. My there is there. Well, they wanted my there to be there. And I'm going, well, no, I, I just really wanted it there. And, they, and, and I wanted to be more effective with you and, and in this area. And, and the elders are saying, no, you need to be more effective outside. And, and you need to affect the state. And you need to help Crossroads affect the country and the world. And, and they're going. And, and I'm going, whoa, 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 we're talking about me. Like, I'm no Rick Warren. And they're going, no, you're not, but you're going to do this and this. And I'm going, no. And then they start, the things they're talking about, I said, guys, if I do that, I'll have to travel. And I hate traveling. And one of the elders goes, too bad. And, and they're just, and they're just having dreams for me bigger than me. Which, by the way, is okay, because it's all about God anyway, right? It's never about any of us. And when I walked in the door and I looked at Pam and Pam said, What happened? And I said, um, well, the elders have got my back. And she goes, well, that's good. I said, no, they're behind me pushing. And, uh, and, and, and it started rising. And I'm sitting around later in awe of where I think God might take me. And I thought, God, is this really from you? And then my email lights up, and I get an email from Bill Hybels, which I've met him before, but we don't really know each other. And he said, I've been praying and feeling like I need to draw some Christian leaders together and your name came on my heart and mind and I want to invite you to come to Chicago and I thought okay so I fly to Chicago and I go into a room and and I'm expecting a lot of people there and there was hardly anyone there and only three of us are really going to talk with them and and then he said I'm not I'm not here to pitch anything I'm not here to sell you anything I'm here because God just told me I need to start helping people and pouring into their lives so here I am I'm all yours ask what you want to ask and and I, man, I asked the first five questions. I was on it, man, you know. And, and I kept going, God, 
you keep raising this. Now, now, some of you are going, okay, I didn't come to church to hear about you. And by the way, if you think that, good. You didn't come to hear about me. So you might say, well, then what? I, here's where I'm going. It's you. It's you. You matter. You have a there. God has great dreams for you. And if you have a dream, go, well, I know I could do this. You haven't found your dream yet. If it's something you could do, you know what? That's what any non-Christian to do. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you should only be involved in things that God can do. And he wants you to do them. And by the way, when God made you, he didn't make you to be a failure. God didn't go, hey, let's make a few failures. Hey, no, he made you to succeed. He made you to have an impact. He made you to do God-sized things. And if you haven't caught it, that's who you are. That's what you're meant for. And when you begin to seek the Lord, the light comes on and he starts guiding you. Psalm 1611 says this, you will make me know the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what God has for you. Even some of are hurting right now. God doesn't want you to stay there very long. He's got it coming for you. And the question is, are you ready to have this the relationship with the God who loves you that much? And are you ready to make that kind of a difference? Now catch this, so don't miss this. God wants to guide you. God wants to guide you. I, I don't want you to miss that. And that means he's going to, to start in telling you things. He's going to start showing you things. There's some of you here today who are brand new going, wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me like God's going to talk to me? And you're ready for this? Yes. Did you know that? God is going to guide you. He's going to talk to you. He's going to have other people come to you. And if you came here thinking, well, okay, I'm going to be, you know, come and just kind of be in this religious thing, you missed it. It's about a relationship with your dad where he wants to guide you, where he has big dreams for you. You matter. And this is for you. And the sixth thing is this. You need to be making an impact. Number six is in verse 12. The restoration of everything that matters. You become the one who rebuilds. You become the one who makes a difference. You become the one who adds value. And in verse 12 it says, those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Now what are we talking about? You know what? Sometimes you take things that everybody else feels like is junk and you restore them correctly and they matter. I'll give you an example. Uh, recently, I saw a Dodge Challenger. I don't know if anybody thinks Dodge Challengers are cool. I think they're cool. And uh, anybody else? So, so I saw this Dodge Challenger. Uh, and I think it originally sold for, I don't know, $4,000 or something you know, years ago because it's not the new one. It's the original one that they took... And they, they, they put the new engine in it and the new suspension in it and, and they redid it, but it's still the old one restored. So it's worth $165,000. Now here's that. See, that's what that's talking about here, the restorer of, the repairer of. You're somebody that God wants to use to go into moments and situations and relational events and, and God wants you to create something so good out of it, it's priceless. You're meant for that. Now, you might say, I don't understand completely. Here's the thing. I don't know how he'll do it with you. I just know he will. He wants to have you be an impact player. He wants you to be someone who touches lives. And if you don't think that's you, you're wrong. It is. You're a child of God who cares about you. You might say, I'm not that smart. Good. He is. You might say, well, I don't have that much money. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He'll sell them. 
You might say, I'm not that strong. Yes, you are. You might not say, you might say, I'm not that important. Well, I want to tell you something. You're so important that Jesus Christ died on the cross just for you. You matter that much. And I want you to know today, if you're not living that life, you should. How do you come into that life? Well, the answer is this. You tell God you want to. It starts by praying a prayer, saying, God, I want this. Some of you today have never prayed that prayer to God, and you need to do it. Because God has a plan and a dream and a hope for you, and he wants you to open up to him. Now, you got to do it his way. you got to do it with him. But you know what? You'll never, ever be sorry for entering into the life he has for you. And what do you need to do to do that? You need to pray. And in a moment, I'll lead a prayer and ask you to join me. Today, there's some of you who started well and you fell, faltered. You might have said, God, I want to give myself to you, but you're not living your life with him and for him. And today, I want to call for you to come back. If you're not 100% on fire and committed to God and you know you need to be, today's the day. Mark this day and pray this prayer with us. I'm hoping right now as we go into this time of prayer that God begins to stir and touch. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to start the journey, start the process with God by whispering a prayer to him. And we'll do it together. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit stir. God, I pray that you touch people. Father, I pray for anybody here who's never met you and never given their life to you that today's the day they will. And I pray, oh Lord, they're going to open up like they never have before. And God, that you're going to take them and they're going to know your presence and know your love and they're going to be ready to live this life you have for them. So God, I pray for a person here who just needs to be cleansed of shame and hurt. God, you're going to touch them. I pray for a person sitting here, Lord, who's made a mess of everything. And he actually said those words recently, that they just have made a mess of everything. And God, you're going to come and you're going to help rebuild and restore, but you're going to start today in their heart, in their minds. They're going to be lifted and set free. Father, I want to pray for a couple who's sitting here today and they need their marriage brought back and, and they both need to commit to you. Lord, I pray for anybody too who's a Christian, but they haven't been a disciple and that's the life you planned for them. They haven't had the first love. They haven't been on fire. They haven't been living this way. They know it's there. They know it's for them, but they're just not experiencing it. And I pray today they'd open up and let this be the day it changes. So God, I pray you're right now going to start stirring on anybody who needs to say yes to you. And I think right now there are some who's, they're sensing it. They can feel it. They can feel this is their moment. I'm going to ask that we keep praying, but right now I'm going to lead that prayer for anybody that wants to say yes to God. You want the life he has for you. You want to have the relationship that's real. So right now, right now let's just pray this together. Whisper these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me all my sin, to cleanse me completely, to heal me from any hurt and pain in my life, to free me from all fear and worry, and to free me from myself and my past. And you want me to be alive. Lord, you want me to be new and you want me to be yours. And I say yes. Yes, I want this. And yes, I want you. And yes, I want the life you have for me. Yes, yes, yes. So take me now. Fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit. And make me yours completely. 
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God if you prayed that prayer.